The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. The title of the message this morning is Time and Eternity. Uh, ever hear a pastor talk about uh, church and they say, church is kind of a little bit of heaven, you know? We experience a little bit of heaven when we come together and we have a little bit of heaven together. You know, I think about we worship together and we fellowship together. We experience love and we experience peace and we experience all those things of being together. So we understand we're not perfect, but we can get a little bit of heaven down here on earth as we gather together as a local New Testament church. And then you say, well, what about the preaching part? Well, the preaching part is where you experience what eternity will be like. Some of you are awake this morning. And uh, that, that's, what, that's where you experience that, that bit of it. And uh, I'm just trying to see who's paying attention this morning. Uh, but uh, two uh, very important things to consider this morning from the Word of God. Time and eternity. Uh, these are two things that the, the uh, preacher here uh, looks at in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. And uh, boy, we understand as we read the book of Ecclesiastes that God is showing us uh, through the Holy Spirit of God what it's like for a man to view the world and everything in it without God. Uh, he looks at the world and through the lens of humanity and looks at the world through just us as human beings and apart from God, and this is the conclusion he comes to. He says this. You can go back and read uh, the book for yourself. He says this, all is vanity. He says it's all a waste. He says there's nothing good. He said it's just, I mean, we're here and then we die. And boy, you know, you thought that humanist philosophers were the ones that came up with that. God is showing us in his word that when you look at the world and you look at everything in the world apart from God, you'll come to the same conclusion that all is vanity. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, we see a little bit of a turn here where he looks at things in light of God. He looks at things in light of, if you would, eternity. He doesn't just look at his time to be here and then to be gone. He doesn't look at his time just to, uh, to love and to hate and to uh, labor and to, uh, you know, to embrace and to kill and to steal and all those things that we see in the world that happens. He, he doesn't just look at all those things and say all is vanity. He comes to the point where he considers something. He considers it in light of God. He begins to look then not just at eternity in light of God, but he also begins to look at time in light of God. It's interesting when you live your life apart from God, the conclusions you'll draw, or if you live your life here and you factor God in and what his word says about life, you'll understand there is something about life that sometimes people overlook, purpose. There's a reason for why we go through the times or the seasons that we go through. Um, Joseph Wood Crutch, he was a professor of English, at Columbia University from 1937 to 1952. And he said this, he said, there is no reason to suppose that a man's life has any more meaning than the life of the humblest insect that crawls from one annihilation to another. That was his humanistic conclusion, that there's no reason to suspect that man has any more significance to life or any more importance to life or any more purpose to life than the humblest of insects that crawl around the, the world, that they'll just die. And if you look, the, the preacher kind of is saying similar things. He talks about a beast and it dying, and we just go into the ground, and, and that's all that happens. And notice uh, how little life matters or has value when you don't understand that God made you with a purpose, 
that God made the times and the seasons of life with purpose. You often hear humanists use the word cycle. They'll talk about life cycle. But the truth of the matter is, as human beings, we don't have cycles. We make history. We don't have cycles. We have seasons. That's what the Bible talks about. It uses the word, and by the way, this is not the only time in the Bible we see the word seasons. The word seasons is in the Bible again and again referring to a man. And God has a season. God has a time. God has a purpose for the seasons of life. We're in New Jersey. We understand the Northeast, four seasons, right? (laughs) We don't just have one or two. We have four. And, uh, boy, I enjoy that. I don't know about you, but I enjoy that we have change. That's not always the same. Now, I'm not saying I would complain if it was 72 and sunny uh, like San Diego all the time. I'm not saying I would necessarily complain about that. Uh, but I do enjoy the seasons. I think if it's cold, it might as well snow. I, I, I look how beautiful it is outside, and I enjoy the seasons, if you would. Some people hate snow. That's okay. You can, you can be the Grinch this morning. That's fine. That's how you want to. I love the snow. The Bible talks about it. It's a blessing. And, uh, you know, the fall. How many like the fall? You see the leaves. Some people like autumn and the colors changing and all those uh, wonderful things about it. Some people love summer. They love it to be hot. And, uh, you know, and then they go down, they live in Florida, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, they like the hot weather and love the hot weather. They love summertime. And some people love spring. The flowers begin to bloom and the cool weather. Uh, and uh, it starts to go less from cold to cool and kind of in between there. It feels good. Uh, and uh, people enjoy those seasons. But the Bible tells us to everything there's a season uh, and time to every purpose under heaven. And God talks about the seasons of life. You know, if we as individuals are not unique, then we're not important. If we're not unique, then we're not important. If we're not important, then life has no meaning. If life has no meaning, then life isn't worth living. And uh, we might as well follow the Epicurean philosophy, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Because, I mean, if that's all life is, is just living and dying, then let's eat, drink, and be merry because, I mean, that's all that life is and there's no real purpose. Um... But we understand that there's a season. Let me give you two things as we consider time and eternity this morning. Number one, time. God orders it. God orders it. Time. If you look at the first passage of Scripture, uh, first part of uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, it says, a time to be born and a time to die. You know, I, I wonder if as we look at this, you'd understand that God gives us these seasons, these, uh, these uh, points of life that he says, hey, listen, there's a reason for why we have these things in life. And uh, you don't have to be a philosopher and a scientist to know that times and seasons are a regular part of life, no matter where you live. You know, from before our birth to the moment of our death, God is accomplishing his divine purposes, even though we don't understand what he's doing all the time even though we don't fully understand. Uh, uh, some people would say is we look at that first uh, thing that the preacher considers, he says a time to be born and a time to die. You ever, uh, you ever feel like you're just going to live forever? I'm not going to die. You know, the, that was kind of the anthem of generations before us is we're never going to die. We're going to live forever. Uh, we're we're going to just last on forever. But, uh, you know, if you've gotten older that you don't feel that way anymore. Maybe you're saying this morning, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. All right, maybe, that, maybe that's where you've gone to being living forever to, oh, my back. And I said this morning, my crick in my neck, right? And that we understand we're getting, I felt like when I woke up this morning, I was going to die. 
I was like, oh boy, I'm going to die. I can't even move my head here. And uh, we understand that there are times and seasons. And in 14 statements here in this passage, Solomon affirms that God is at work in our individual lives, uh, seeking to accomplish His will. All of these events come from God, and they're all good in their time. The lesson really is plain here. If we cooperate with God's timing, life has great purpose. If we cooperate with God's purpose, God's seasons, life has great purpose. He says birth and death in verse number 2. You know, things like abortion, birth control, mercy killing, uh, surrogate, parenthood, make it look as though man is in control of birth and death. But Solomon said otherwise. He said that God is the giver of life and God is the appointer of death. The Bible tells us this, that life does not come from our creation. We don't make life. God gives life. He's a giver of life. I think of even Adam when God formed him with his hands. The Bible says he scooped them up and he breathed into him the breath of life. And he became a living soul. That's what the Bible says. And we have life. And then we all know, here's the thing, that even as we have life and we have a birth date, a day that we were born, a birthday, there will also be a day that we're buried should the Lord tarry. Because the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. It's an appointed time. Uh, There's an age-old question, how many would like to know the day that you're going to die? I I don't. (laughs) Some people who are control freaks would like to do that so they could, you know, make sure everything is in order before that happens and all those things. But, you know, I don't want to know when that's going to happen. But the truth of the matter is, here's the truth. I was born. I was given life. If God tarries, if the Lord tarries, I'm going to die. The truth of the matter is, is I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know that when it's going. I don't know if it's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to happen the next day. I don't know if it's 30 years, 40. I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen. So if I understand that, then it's going to give value to my time. If I understand that God gave me life and God gave it to me for a purpose and I only have a certain uh, number of breaths and a certain number of days and as the Bible describes, my life is as a vapor. It's here one day and then it vanishes the next. Then I have to do and make the most of the life that I have because life is short, is it not? It is short. It's shorter than we think it is. It's shorter than what we really experience it to be. Birth and death are not human accidents. They are divine appointments and God is in control. He also says this. He says a time for planting and a time for plucking. You know, being an agricultural people, these people would have understood and appreciated the seasons. In fact, uh, their religious calendar of the Jews was based on the agricultural year. So they understood times of sowing and reaping and harvest and all those things. And the Lord uh, puts that all throughout Scripture for us to understand. He uses that uh, for illustrations. Men may plow and sow, but only God can give the increase. It's the truth. We, uh, there's a time to plant. There's a time to pluck. But we have no control over what comes up out of the ground. We have no control over what comes up and, and whether it grows, whether it doesn't grow. God gives us responsibility. God gives us ability. God gives us gifts. But really, God is in control of the increase. You know, this is also the secret to a successful life, that we're to learn God's principles and cooperate with them in Scripture. That God says, hey, these are the principles of life. I want you to learn them and understand in life you're to cooperate with them because only then will you have success. Only then will you be prosperous. 
planting and plucking. How about this? Killing and healing. If you look at verse number 3, he says this, a time to kill and a time to heal. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's people that have been in my life that I have loved that they died before I think their time was. I think uh, more and more we understand this uh, as we look, even as Americans, of people that died, they sacrificed themselves, they were killed for what? For our freedom. They died for that. We would look at that and say that was an honorable way for them to die. But the truth of the matter is, is I wonder, and I, I wonder how many of us would lay down our lives today for that same freedom, would be willing to pay the same cost uh, for freedom. You know, sometimes people get killed, don't they? Sometimes that happens. Now, I think sometimes we think, well, this is only meaning the people that deserve death. But the truth of the matter is, is the Bible says that all of us deserve death. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. The reason for death is sin. That's in the world. That's why people die. And boy, don't we wish that we could hold on to our loved ones forever. Don't we wish that we could have them forever. The truth of the matter is, is we don't know if someone's going to... We were driving over here on the corner uh, yesterday and... You know, it's never good when you see a bumper of a car laying on the ground and a motorcycle on the side next to it. You know, I just thought, I wonder, I wonder if someone got killed. I wonder if someone died. I wonder if someone passed off into eternity. I wonder, and as I thought about that and pondered that, I said, I wonder where they are. I wonder. I wonder where that person is in eternity. And uh, sometimes uh, people die. We don't always understand that. That's the age-old question. God, why do you allow people to die? I mean, people that we love. We understand Jesus died. Do we understand the purpose for which he died? Yes. There was great purpose. There was a great... He loved us so much. The Bible says he laid down his life for us. He gave his life for us. He sacrificed. Was it a wasteful death? No, it was not a wasteful death. But he was killed, was he not? He was killed. And then there's a time to heal. I, I wonder uh, how many people that you've prayed for. We're praying for uh, Brother Buddy Blunkall. And uh, thank the Lord he's, he's, he's doing better. He still needs a, a bypass surgery and all those things. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. Just spoke with his wife this morning and let her know that we're praying for them. Spoke with Brother, Brother Buddy on the, on the phone. It was great to hear his voice. But, you know, uh, what's interesting is... is uh, you know, sometimes we pray and people get healed, and sometimes they don't. I think of the Matt Guzzies of this world and people that I've known that they had ailments and they had sicknesses, and we prayed for them. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is I like the statements that somebody said. We, we prayed that God would cure them of cancer, and the truth of the matter is that they don't have cancer. They're in heaven. They're in eternity. Sometimes God answers prayers in different ways, and he has purposes for them. You know, I would never stand up before a group of people and tell them, I know why that happened. I don't know. But I tell you the truth, that I know that God knows. And I know there was a purpose for that. And I know that God has a purpose for everything that happens. And God says to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose, that all things work together for good to them that love God. There's a purpose uh, a time to kill and a time to heal. The Bible says this, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. You know, farmers have to clear their fields before they can plow and plant. 
And uh, the truth of the matter is, is if you want to hurt an, an enemy, um, you could fill his field with stones. They knew that back in the Old Testament times, that's what they would do. If they wanted to hurt one of their enemies, they would just fill their, uh, fill their fields with, with stones and, and rocks and all those things. Uh, the truth, though, is that stones are neither good or bad. It all depends on what you do with them. The, the stone itself is not inherently evil or not inherently good. It's just there for use and for purposes. But, you know, if your enemy fills your land with rocks, you don't have to throw them back. You can build something out of them. I think sometimes we don't understand that there's a time to gather out the stones and there's a time to build with them. Sometimes God allows stones into our life, not that we would pick up the stone that someone cast it out, but rather that we would use that stone to build something to God's honor and to His glory. There's times in life, and if I understand the purpose of why God sends things into my life, then I'll understand that if God's allowed a stone to be hurled in my direction, and He has not seen fit to repel it or to push it away, but He's allowed it into my life, you know, the truth of the matter is that maybe God wants me to use that stone as a building block to His honor, to His glory. How many people have allowed stones to cause them to stumble instead of use those stones to help them build a life to God's glory? You know, so many times we focus on the person hurling the stones and forget that God's the one that allowed it. That God's the one that allowed it into our lives. You say, well, why would God allow me to be hurt? Why would God allow something to come into... And, and boy, he tells us, he gives us in Scripture, he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. He said, don't think it's strange when you have trials. Don't think it's strange when you have problems. Boy, if you listen to a modern-day preacher today, you'd think that all of life was just roses and all of life was just ease and all of life was just health and wealth. But it's not the truth, is it? I wouldn't be honest this morning from the Word of God if I told you that life was easy. We all know that life is difficult. And there's stones that come into life and there's hardships and there's trials that enter into life. But what do we do with what comes into our life? Do we allow it? You know, how many times can we, maybe before you trusted Christ as your Savior, God allowed trial into your life. God allowed a difficulty in your life to bring you closer to Him so that you might receive Him as your Savior. Many of people have come into church and heard the gospel and responded to it saying, I would have never gone to church or come in had I not been in the midst of a problem. Had I not been in a place where I thought I needed to find something that I had not yet found. I I felt a void. I knew I needed help, and I went looking for help. They went to seek, and Jesus said, Those that seek me shall find me, didn't he? He said, He that cometh to me, I'll know wise cast out. There's a time of casting away stones and a time of gathering stones. Number four, there's a time of embracing, verse 5, and a time to refrain from embracing. Uh, People in the East uh, openly show their affection. They kiss, hug when they uh, meet uh, and when they part. You could say this phrase is a time to say hello and a time to say goodbye. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from it. There's sometimes we get to say hello to people and sometimes we say goodbye to them and things in, in our life. There's a time of, verse 6, getting and losing. A time to search and a time to give it up for lost. You know, the the next phrase kind of gives biblical authority for garage sales, doesn't it? Look at verse uh, number 6. He says in verse 6, a time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, right? (laughs) There's a time, hey, there's a time to empty your garage. 
There's a time to get rid of the things that you have hoarded for so long, you know. There's a time to let it go, you know. You ever see somebody like, well, I need to keep that in case, you know, one day in the future I might possibly ever. And, and, and you know, it's so buried in there, if you ever needed it, you'd have to go out and buy a new one anyway because you couldn't find it if you, if you wanted it at the time. Isn't it funny how sometimes we are so uh, quick to hold on and so, uh, so hesitant to let go of things? The Bible tells us there's a time to let go. There's a time of getting. There's a time of losing. A time to keep and a time to clean house. He says in verse 7, there's a time to tear and a time to mend. This probably refers to the Jewish practice of tearing their garments when they were uh, mourning. A time of grief or repentance, a time of sorrow uh, during a bereavement. But here's the thing. You're not supposed to stay in mourning forever. You're not supposed to stay in grief forever. You're not supposed to stay in that time of rending or mourning or bereaving forever. There's a time, the Bible says, for that, but then there's a time that comes follows that of mending. There's a time to mend up the things that are broken down, to build up the things that are taken away. There's a time that God gives us for tearing and for mending. And then, can you look at verse number 9 with me? Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, verse number 9. Look at it. What profit hath he that worketh in, what, in that therein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart. You know, the second thing I want you to consider this morning will be done is eternity. He says there's a season, there's a time for everything. But then he tells us that he set eternity in our hearts. You know, God has built us for eternity. He has built us for eternity. God has prepared us and allotted us and gifted us with time, but he has prepared us and given us eternity. You know, sometimes uh, I think we forget that. We have a time here this morning. I hope, listen, don't waste the time here. You came to church. Don't waste the time sitting there doing what you could do at home. Just listen to the word of God this morning. You have time here to do that. But you know what? God built you for eternity. He built you. He put it in your heart. You know, inside of every person is the knowledge of that there is life that's after this. I mean, if you look at tribal places and third world countries, even they understand that there is something beyond this. There is some kind of thing that we need to seek after, search after. People have called it afterlife. They have called it all heaven, all kinds of things. And the truth of the matter is that God has put in us an understanding of that, yes, we return to the ground, and yes, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but there's something in us that knows there's something beyond this life. There's an eternity. That we're not here just to live and die, but that one day something's going to take place after our death. You know, if you've ever had a loved one die, you've been there and understood that truth. Because there was something in you that said, although I know they're dead, I know that this is not the end. There's got to be something more than this. There's an eternity. There's a soul the Bible talks about that he's given us. He's made it in eternity. He's prepared us. He's built us for eternity. I wonder this morning, as God has given you time and gifted you with it, what have you done with your time 
to prepare yourself for eternity. Because God has built you for eternity. You know, uh, this preacher here, as he looks in Ecclesiastes, that's what the book actually means. Ecclesiastes means the preacher. He adjusted his sights and no longer looked at life only under the sun. And he brought God in the picture and gave him a new perspective. And in verse 9, he repeated the opening question of chapter 1 and verse number 3. He said, is all this work, is all this labor really worth it? Is all this toiling and travailing and fighting and war and all this stuff that happens to me in my life, is it all really worth it all? I mean, is it worth... Is it worth it to get up and work every day and labor every day and and do everything that we do in life and then come to the end and and die and not have any kind of reward for any of that? Not have any kind of, uh, I mean, we just, that's it? We die and then people fight over our stuff? I mean, that's what happens? I mean, that's, that's all that happens in life? I mean, life has to be more than this. He looks at that and says, uh, there's eternity. Number one. Man's life is a gift from God. He says that in verse 10. He says, God hath given to the sons of man to be exercised in it. In the view of all this that we experience from day to day, life may seem like a strange gift, but it's God's gift just the same. God has given us life. He gave us life. You know, I'm glad today that God gave me a life, that God gave me a a, a reason, if you would, or God's given me time on this earth. I don't know how long. Aren't you thankful? I was just thinking last night as my kids went up to bed, I was just thankful for time with them. God, thank you that I... And you know what I begin to realize, as many of you do that have children, is you don't have a lot of time with them. And then before you know it, your time with them is gone. And they start to live their life apart from you. And you don't really have a lot of time. And it's fleeting, You know, everybody realizes that at a funeral, don't they? Boy, I wish we just had some more time. I wish I would have done this better. I wish I would have spent more. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have done that. We understand that it's a gift. Life, a gift from God. You know, if we believingly accept life as a gift and thank God for it, we'll have a better attitude towards the burdens that come our way. If we grudgingly accept life as a burden, then we'll miss the gifts that come our way. Outlook helps determine outcome, doesn't it? How I look at my life. Is it a gift or is it a burden? Number two, man's life is linked to eternity. Man's life is linked to eternity. Man was created in the image of God. He was given dominion over creation. That's what the Bible says. Therefore, he's different from the rest of creation. He has eternity. He has the world in his heart. It's linked to heaven. That's what the Bible says. In other words, I'm not like a beast. I'm not like an insect. I'm not like an animal. Despite of what popular science is trying to teach us, we didn't come from there. We're not going there. Uh, we're above that. God has created us. He made us to, make, to have dominion over the earth, not to live alongside in parallel with the earth and the things that are in the earth at its mercy. God has given us a, a responsibility. He's given us the gift of life, and then he's linked it to eternity. God accomplishes his purpose in his time. But it will not be until we enter eternity that we'll begin to understand His total plan, will we? We don't understand fully everything that God is doing. So man's life is linked to eternity. Then let me give you this third thought. Man's life can be enjoyable now. Man's life can be enjoyable now. I hope that people understand that when we become Christians, we didn't just 
we didn't just die and we can't live anymore. Well, we don't have any. The truth of the matter is, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. God gave us an abundant life. Isn't the Christian life a great life? Isn't a godly life a good life? I mean, yes, oh, we have difficulties, but the truth of the matter is, everybody has difficulties. Oh, yes, we have struggles, but the truth of the matter is, everybody has struggles. Oh, yes, life is hard and not fair, but the truth is, it's like that for everyone. What do we have as Christians? We have the joy of the Lord. We, we have the strength and the knowledge of knowing that God has created us unique and with a purpose and has a plan, and God wants me to engage daily in His purpose and His plan. God wants me to enjoy life now in, in, in the understanding that there's an eternity later that we're going to reap or benefit, reward in eternity. The Bible says that we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to consider eternity. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures here where moth and dust doth corrupt, but we're supposed to what? Lay up our treasures in eternity as Christians. Where do you want to have your retirement? Here or in eternity? Well, you say both. (laughs) I'm with you. But the truth of the matter is, is I understand that even in the earthly retirement that God gives me, I'm still responsible to live for Him, serve Him, engage in the relationships that God has given me, and engage the culture that I live in. As Christians, we never disengage. We don't ever just go and, and, and fade out and say, well, I'm no longer, uh, I no longer have a job or a task in this world. As, as long as you have breath, as long as you have life, as long as you're alive today, God has a purpose for us. You know what the truth of the matter is? Is If, if you're alive and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, the reason why you're still alive, the reason why you're still breathing is perhaps that you would hear the message of salvation and that God would save you. He's left you alive. He's spared you. Of all the people, come on, can I be so prideful to think that I didn't deserve to be in the car accident yesterday? I, I didn't deserve to be in the obituaries tomorrow? You know, who am I to say that my life is of more value than another man's life? or another, purpose, uh, another person's life. But I understand that God gives me time here because He wants me to do something for eternity. He wants me to engage. I, I remember being 18 years old, and, and I was struggling with what God had called me to do. I would actually decided that I was not going to do what God had told me to do. Boy, dangerous ground. You know what I was saying? God, I understand what the purpose for why you made me is, but I don't want to do it. You know, God broke my heart, really did, broke my heart. I remember getting down on my face and saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry for not embracing what you've called me to do, what you have told me clearly that I'm supposed to do. And here's the thing I said to the Lord, Lord, if I don't do what you've called me to do, God, please don't let me live a secondary life. Please don't live, let me live a substandard life in doing something other than what you've called me to do. I remember uh, in our ministry in Philadelphia, one of the men was working alongside of him down in the basement of the church. We were cleaning some things, and he said this to me. He said, you know, when I was young, in my 20s, I knew the Lord called me to be a pastor, to preach. He said, the biggest regret of all my life is that I disobeyed God. He said, that is, he said, now, he said, I've realized that. He's, he said, he was near 70 years old. He said, the greatest regret of my life is that I live my life not the way that I knew God wanted me to live. 
He said, I've since asked the Lord to forgive me and know that he has. But he said this, I wish I would have done what God said. You know, that was really, uh, I believe that God put me there and allowed him to share that testimony with me to encourage my heart about doing. Because sometimes God calls us to do things or God puts us in places to do things. And we say, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just consider my life, not eternity. I don't want to do anything for eternity. I mean, I have a family and I have my responsibilities. And I have all these things. I don't want to do anything to engage into eternity. God would have us to do that. Life, man's life can be enjoyable now. And then uh, lastly, let me give you this and we'll be done. Death comes to every man. The only ones we see that will not die bodily in the future are those that the Bible says are alive and remain at the rapture of the church. But every man that lives while the Lord tarries will taste death bodily. What awaits a man in eternity at his bodily death is determined what he has done with the gift of eternal life during his life under the sun. God has given us as Americans a great privilege. He has given us the word of God in our own language. He's given us the Word of God, that we can freely read it, that we can engage. Come on, don't we have religious freedom today? I know that it's being challenged. I know that there's people, there's minority groups and things that are standing up against our rights and all those things. But you know what? What I'm sad is I, I listen to Christians almost allow someone saying something to take, the, take away their right of actually doing what we have a right to do. We have a right to do this this morning. We have a right to read the Word of God. We have a right to engage. Yesterday, I, I took my daughter with me and, and uh, others from the church. We went out and we told people about the Lord. I went to a door and I said to the man, I said, Listen, I just wanted to wish you a happy new year. And I wanted to say to you that Jesus came. He died for you on the cross and just let you know today that he loves you. He gave his life for you. And that's the message that we want to share with you. It's just good news. You know what he said? He said, Thank you so much for telling me today. I needed to hear that. I didn't get a chance to lead him to Christ, but I did get a chance to give him the gospel. I did give, it, give him a chance for him to think about it. You know what? Maybe somewhere along the way, what people need is for more Christians to live in light of eternity. For us to think about the fact that we're not here just for the here and now. We're not here to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. We're here because we have a certain amount of time, and God has allotted it to us, and he wants us to live it to his honor, to his glory. I don't know about you, but I want every day, every breath, every moment, as we saw even in that video, that time matters. I want everything to count. I don't want it to not to count. I want it to count. I want my life to make a difference. Oh, we could easily just kind of pull away from society and just say, well, I don't want to make a difference in this world. But here's the thing. We can make a difference in the world that we live in by living our life to his honor, to his glory. I wonder this morning as we bow for prayer, if you consider time and eternity. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.